listening to the Human Care Podcast, part of the Invisible Not Broken Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eva Minkoff. On this show, I have candid conversations with chronic illness warriors and insightful practitioners who are redefining what it means to be human when faced with health challenges. I'm also the founder of Wellacopia, the matching site for healthcare relationships. We connect chronic illness wellness seekers with integrative providers best suited to be their partners in care. To match with your dream doctor, therapist, nutritionist, acupuncturist, chiropractor, and more, visit wellacopia.com. Today's episode is about growth and resilience, a topic I believe we can always benefit from, but I imagine that it is of particular interest to many of us right now, given the current pandemic. Our guest is one of my favorites, so much so that I've interviewed her twice already on the Invisible Not Broken podcast. Please meet Dr. Boyana Yankovic-Weatherly once again. Dr. Boyana is an award-winning physician, double board certified in internal and integrative medicine. She's also trained in functional medicine, nutrition, and mindfulness. Her approach is rooted in evidence-based medicine that is personalized to each individual she works with. Dr. Boyana develops individualized plans to support and empower each unique individual to achieve his or her health goals. In part one of our conversation, we explore optimism and innovation during COVID-19, finding wellness through relationships and gratitude, and how we can shift our victim mentality to one of resiliency. Before we get started, a reminder that all conversations and health claims on this podcast are based on individual experiences and expertise. Everyone has their own personal and professional truths and should be treated as such. Okay, let's get started. I'd actually like to start today by asking a question that we're all asked possibly every day, sometimes multiple times a day. uh, And that is, how are you? But given given the essence of what we're talking about and what we're thinking about right now, we're really tapping into who we are and our experiences, our feelings, our thoughts. Um, And I'd love it if you could answer that today from that mindset. Like, how are you in the most honest Mm -hmm. way? Sure. Uh, The first thing that comes to mind is actually optimistic. I'm feeling very optimistic about... um, a lot of things, which might come as a surprise because we're all in this very uncertain time and there has been a great deal of suffering and a great deal of uncertainty and pain. Um, However, I do feel that the communities coming together and all of the efforts that have occurred over the last few months Um, give me hope as a citizen, as a physician, as a mom. um, And don't get me wrong. It's not that it's not hard. It's not that I don't realize how hard it is 
especially for some individuals that are going out there and that are on the front lines. But I do feel optimistic that, you know what, we're, we're all in this together. We're going to handle this. We're going to get through this. And, and that has been the guiding emotion of today. Of course, every day is different, but that has been my guiding emotion of today. And as I shared with you earlier, uh, I have been doing research on what tests are currently available for COVID-19. And of course, we have a long way to go. But in a very short period of time, there has been a great deal of effort for researching new clinical tools, researching diagnostics, putting them into practice. And yes, could we have been better? Could we have been faster? Could we have been more vigilant, more prepared? There's no denying it, of course. But are we also putting things into action now? Yes, we are. And that I feel very optimistic about and uh, hopeful about. And is there anything in particular that really comes to mind when you think of um, innovation in communities? I think there have been really a number of things that have occurred from just very uh, seemingly simple things. For instance, when I think about my mindfulness community, when I think about meditation and all of the excuses or inaccessibility maybe of it in the past, because we had to go to a place, we had to sign up for a class or it had to be a certain commitment or, the community has come together so beautifully and there's so many free classes offered at different times of the day for different time zones by these incredible experienced instructors that now if for instance if you've never meditated before or if you've tried it before and have given up or thought this is not for me now is the time to do it for your own health and sanity and well-being and uh, cultivating resiliency but also because it's accessible and it's available and a lot of it is free. Um, I think that some of the things by the schools and you know, of course, as a parent of two school age children, yes, it's hard. And yes, 24 seven now we're both, uh, you know, working professionals and professional chefs and elementary school teachers and, you know, um, but at the same time, the effort that the schools have put together, the innovation that has occurred really quite quickly. I mean, it was forced, but it's happening. Is it perfect? No, of course it's not perfect. Are there issues? Are, are a lot of parents frustrated? Are a lot of students having a hard time? Yes, of course. Uh, but is the community coming together? Is the community asking for feedback, having a dialogue, doing their best to innovate, to provide resources? From what I've experienced personally and from what I hear through friends, I, I do think so. Um, so I would say, you know, those are just education and mindfulness, not to mention the obvious when it comes to the healthcare system, when it comes to colleagues reaching out to each other, ER physicians talking about what's the latest that we understand about COVID-19? What, how should we be treating these patients? When do we consider intubating them? What do we consider to be the driving factors here, both uh, diagnostically um, as well as in terms of therapeutics? 
all the different clinical trials that are going on now for the different antiviral medications or, or the different medications that modulate our immune system or that alter the immune system response um, that is, of course, being implicated in COVID-19 and, and ARDS or the um, acute respiratory distress syndrome. And so I think we're seeing a great deal of innovation on the healthcare side, on the education side, uh, as well as on, on the sort of, I, I hate to call it self-care. It just kind of sounds really fluffy, I have to say. But, but on that sort of self, self-preservation and, um, uh, and, and true, um, really true self-care and, um, and, and addressing some of those fundamental principles of, um, of health even. And then telemedicine, of course, something that I'm, you know, doing daily, uh, which again is something that has been around, but it just hasn't quite been utilized to the degree that it's being utilized now. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask if you felt that there were any personal discoveries or like we could say as a community, it's a discovery, but individually that we've been discovering about ourselves, what do you think has been uh, the most valuable? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm wondering if you're, if you, you were going to say mindfulness, like people are maybe realizing that the importance of it on another level and trying it out a bit more, taking it for a spin. You know, I would say in very broad terms from what my observation has been, and of course I can't speak for other people. This is really just from speaking to friends and family members and um, from, you know, for people that approach me with questions, whether they're patients, whether they're um, people within my community. Um, one of the things that I think has become very obvious is that we don't need to live this fast-paced life to be happy or to be productive. And I think that this crisis and this sudden change of circumstances has allowed for some space for people to be in between doing things. And you often hear from whether it's Deepak Chopra or somebody else in the meditation community, you know, we're not human doings, we're human beings. But so much of what we are and what we focus on is doing things. And that was pretty typical pre-COVID-19, that we were constantly busy going places and doing things. And again, with time, as it becomes safe, as we continue to gather information and have more treatment modalities and hopefully a vaccine available, we are going to get back into a new version of doing things and going out there and, and having more physical space to um, explore and to be in. And there will be, again, more opportunities for interactions other than via Zoom. But the question to me is that how quickly are we going to adopt that? And do we really have to go back to the old normal, even when the situation is completely safe? And when we are past COVID-19, do we really need to go back to that version? Like, is that really serving us? Or is now an opportunity to recognize 
the set of problems that have been introduced over the years with progress, which is wonderful, but comes with its own set of burden. And so how do we balance those two? So I think people are starting to realize maybe there's something more to it. Maybe there are certain things that I can actually do from the comfort of my home, or maybe there are some things that I shouldn't prioritize that I was prioritizing before just because I was used to doing things. Right. Yeah, really, this definitely forces everyone to put things into perspective. And I really hope that that does carry um, as things open up. I'm sure some will by default, but uh, like, well, I think social cleanliness, I don't know if that's the right term, um, is going to be something that sticks around for a long time and might be forever changed, like how people's physical interactions um, uh, are shifted just based on the awareness of germs wow. <laughs> um, that that's not a it, well there, there's good and there's bad to that <laughs> that right you could look at it in different ways um but it's it is very easy for people to forget uh and take things for granted i'm wondering what will what will be easier to forget and versus not um, going forward uh it'll be interesting to see i agree with you and you know we know that it takes 21 days to form a new habit, but it's been a lot more than 21 days that we've been in shelter in place. So it'll be interesting to see, again, once things start to open, and even once things start to open up, I don't think that'll be a great determinant because there's obviously still um, a, a great possibility um, and likelihood of the second wave. And um, and, and we're still at risk. So this is not going to be something that'll change back to what it was overnight. And I think we all have realized this by now, but, but when things do, how quickly are we going to go back to that? Because again, as much as yes, it takes 21 days to form a habit and, and we've now created this new normal, this new habit, um, how quickly after things have been open for a while and we know that it's safe and we're hopefully past that second wave and we have the right modalities for prevention and treatment. Uh, are we going to say, okay, back to what it was before and, or are we, are we going to learn some lessons during this time that are actually positive, that are productive, that make us stop and think you know, actually I, and, and, you know, and I've heard this from a lot of people with, you know, we were talking about parenting earlier and, uh, and I've heard from a lot of people and I certainly feel grateful that I, in this situation and given the circumstances that I can, as hard as it is to work from home and to be a teacher and a full-time, you know, a chef and everything to my children, um, I feel grateful that we're getting to spend this time together and I'm trying my best as a parent to make the best out of that time and to really bond and to, and I'm hearing this from a lot of parents. And again, listen, it's not uh, easy to be doing everything at the same time. And it requires a great deal of management and planning and flexibility and, and being okay with total chaos at times. But, but thinking about, you know, in a, in a normal week, we don't, I mean, I, I never spent this much time 
with my children at home. And there are a lot of benefits from that bonding. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how parents and families in general shift once we're ready to shift as a society and how much of this is going to stay because I think that there are a lot of um, gifts in, in this difficult situation. I absolutely feel that way as well. And, and I think that's why, look, this is hard. All of us are dealing with hard things during this time, regardless of whether that's illness, loss, um, job loss, um, even if someone has their job, has their health and everything, this is still a very, frankly, scary time. But I definitely see the gems as well. And I'm trying to focus on those as much as possible. Uh, really, I, have, I do think that if anything's going to change, my, my guess is that relationships we have with people are going to be the most hard hit that stick because the way we are with people and uh, like relationships are the, I guess people say your health is the most important. I kind of think your relationships are the most important because even if you don't have good health, <laughs> you have your relationships, there's something there. And relationships are part of your health and well-being. We oh. know people that are more socially connected and people that are connected to their community. And you and I have talked previously about blue zones and we've talked about the studies on social connectivity and uh, and and having those meaningful friendships and what that means for health, for longevity, for resiliency, for mental health. I mean, it's absolutely, these are so tightly intertwined. It's, it's, it's impossible to, um, it really is impossible to, to, to be um, quote unquote, well, but not have close bonds with with your community with family with friends with with individuals that that, that have meaning yeah that's um it's also I, that's the beautiful and terrible thing about relationships is that they they mean so much to you even when you don't know how much they mean to you Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of power, let's put it that way, uh, behind relationships and human interaction. Yeah. But that also means that we have the ability to boost our wellness, even when things aren't going well. Um, I actually would really love to, to talk about the negative side of it, which is feeling like a victim during this time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We've talked about this a little bit where, uh, it's very easy to go into victim mode when something like a pandemic is going on where you feel like you have absolutely no control. It's easy to just kind of curl up in a ball and go, this is happening to me, I can't do anything about it. So I'd like to talk about how you see us flipping that on its head and really generating uh, resilience during a time where one feels like they're out of control. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, and I agree with you. And I think that the... Um that victim mindset, you know, can of course occur during a pandemic and uh, will occur much more so and in a much stronger way during a global crisis compared to during normal times. 
but we also know that that some of us may be more prone to that just historically from um, you know thinking about the past and thinking about you know what have my patterns been like do I tend to and we can all ask ourselves this question and again it's never um, zero or a hundred percent you know we all to some degree will notice in ourselves that at times we may feel sorry for ourselves we may feel that the world is against us we may feel that nothing's going my way i've tried everything and nothing is going my way or i'm a failure or i'm a you know it can take a number of different forms this negative self-talk and this negative um perception and negative framing really and of course, it's going to be exacerbated by a crisis and an uncertainty such as a pandemic. And, you know, we've already talked about it. You know, people's health is at risk. We're all concerned whether we have prior comorbidities, which are clearly correlated with worse outcomes with COVID-19, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, lung disease, heart disease, but also even those of us that are healthy might have very severe consequences. So no one is really spared from this worry, right? Because yeah. it can happen to anyone. And so, and then the other side of it, of course, is our, uh, the uncertainty of our lives, the uncertainty of our jobs, financial uncertainty, and, and so on. And then as you pointed out, the uncertainty of our relationships, you know, how is this going to alter relationships, both with people that are in our household, because now we're together 24 seven, right? And we are interacting in a different way and with individuals that we now don't get to see as much um, or with you know children and, and school and their peers. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's of course, there, there are gonna be a lot of shifts, a lot of changes. And what's important to recognize is that we always have a choice, right? We can always say, uh, I'm a victim of these circumstances. And we can always frame it in that way because yes, we didn't, we didn't bring on COVID-19. It happened to us. It, it, um, of course, in some ways, some might argue that we did because of certain conditions, of course, and our population density and, and, and the way that, you know, with the markets and the animals and so on. But but we as individuals, like no one brought it on willingly and said, here's, you know, here's this. And so we could argue by saying that, that, well, you know, I didn't do this. I'm a victim of these current circumstances. But at the same time, we have a choice to take a step back and acknowledge that I don't like these circumstances. I'm feeling uneasy about my life right now, about my future, about my health, the health of my loved ones. You know, many of us um, who have family members or friends, again, with pre-existing conditions or that are elderly, we're wondering, are we, are we ever going to get to see them again? Especially people that are a flight away, because who knows when we'll be able to safely fly again. And and so, again, yes, we could say, I'm a victim, it's terrible, I give up, or I'm going to curl up. Yes, we can say that. But we can also acknowledge that, yes, the situation is very difficult. I feel challenged. I feel um, 
sad. I feel, and we all feel these emotions all the time and, and probably go through these different cycles over the course of a day, even of sadness, depression, and optimism. And, um, and, and then, you know, appreciative of the things that we do have. And then as we go through these emotions and as we go through the thought process, it's the feelings, it's the thoughts, then we get to make a decision. What do I want to focus on? Do I want to focus on the things that I have no control over right now? Like we as individuals, most of us don't necessarily have control over when a vaccine is going to be developed or what the course of that second wave is going to be like, or what's going to be happening in terms of the larger picture that may determine our job security and so on. So do we want to focus on that stuff that we have zero control over? Does it even make sense? Well, our rational brain would say, why? I mean, it's, it's like worrying about, um, you know, when, when the next earthquake, earthquake is going to hit or the next natural disaster. Like we just simply, there's certain things that we just don't know with certainty and that we as individuals can't influence. But what we can influence is our response to the situation. And not that this is in any way um, easy or happens magically or happens overnight or, or even once we shift that focus. It's not that, okay, now I have this positive mindset and this is it, I'm done. Of course not. Um, it's an effort. It's a daily effort. And it's just like we, we get up and um, you know, get out of bed and brush our teeth every morning or just like you know, exercising five days a week or making an effort to go out for a walk now with masks, socially distanced to maybe get a little bit of sunshine and vitamin D. Um, just as we make those decisions and just as we cultivate those habits, we can cultivate habits of resiliency and we can cultivate habits of where do I want to focus my attention now? And this is something that I've, that I've previously mentioned. I believe you and I've talked about it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna show you. So this is the five minute journal that I've started when COVID-19 started. And I will admit, actually, I haven't been writing in it recently um, and I should do it. I should take my own advice and do it. But one of the things that I noticed is that when I started doing it, some of the questions that it asks are, I am grateful for, and then you get to write three things that you're grateful for. What would make today great? Then you get to write three things. There are some daily affirmations that you can write if you want to. Three amazing things that happened today. How could I have made today even better? So yes, of course there are gonna be the negatives or like today was really difficult because I couldn't get um, you know, my son to do any schoolwork today and I felt very ineffective and I, and I felt very um, um, like not a good parent because I didn't know how to, how to support him with schoolwork in a way that he would be receptive to it. Or you could say, um, you know, I, I went down a rabbit hole of news and research and, and all of this um, stuff and I didn't get to complete my, you know, tasks for the day or I didn't get to, and, and that's okay, that still exists and we should acknowledge it. But this journaling 
allows us to shift that focus to what am I, what am I grateful of? What are the things that are good? And it's something that I actually notice my, uh, my kids doing, especially my daughter, she's in the second grade and they have zoom meetings, uh, at least two times a day with their classmates. And in the morning, they all share, uh, what they're feeling like and what they're grateful for. It's just a very simple mindfulness exercise that, you know, doesn't require, again, for people out there that are not quite ready to close their eyes and do a mantra-based meditation or even to listen to a guided meditation, which I still would highly encourage because that's part of building resiliency and that's part of the work that's required. Um, But even just as as simple as that acknowledgement, and I'm hearing these beautiful eight-year-old souls talk about, you know, I'm you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, the, like the breakfast that I had this morning, or I'm grateful that I get to be with my parents, or um, I'm grateful that it's sunny outside, and I'm going to go and, you know, I'm going to go outside, or I'm grateful that I got to ride my bike, or just, again, things that we generally take for granted. And so to kind of go back to how do we cope with that victim mentality or with that well the the number one step would really be to acknowledge you know and like I said it's it's all uh, it's not all or nothing we all sometimes can fall into that pattern and it's nothing to feel guilty about or ashamed of nobody's perfect we all get into it no matter who you are and you may find and I sometimes you know will talk to people that uh that will say you know I feel like I'm I'm aware that there's so many things to be grateful for but I just can't access it. Like I, 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 and I, and I feel guilty about, you know, feeling depressed or about feeling down. And it's just so good to acknowledge that. It's so good to say, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. Because that's that first step in then thinking of the solution, right? We have to name, we have to identify the problem um, or the area that we want to work on, if we don't want to call it a problem, but just the area of growth, right? The area where we want to focus on that growth. And this is in part also, um, of course, connected to the growth mindset, right? Because some of us hold the belief that we can't change. And some of us may, of us may say, let's say when it comes to, you know, dieting and weight loss. And I know that with your experience uh, as a trainer and as a coach too, I'm sure you must have um, heard this from people as well. Well, I, you know, I've tried all these diets, I've tried getting on a routine, and I just can't lose the weight and nothing's going to work for me. And of course, if you have this cumulative evidence of trying things, and, and having nothing work for you, of course, you're going to believe that. So then, okay, so then you identify that. And then maybe a coach that you're working with, or a mental health professional or healthcare provider or friends even might say, or you might say to yourself, do I really believe that I can't change? Do I really believe that? Or is it just maybe the method that I was using before was not effective? And so I kept hitting a wall, but do I really believe that I cannot change at all? And then if there's at least a little bit of an opening of saying, you know what, maybe I can't change. Maybe I can really, maybe, maybe there's something I can do differently. That is the window to be explored. And that is the beginning of that growth mindset of, you know what, actually we can all change. There are things that we can all do 
to change how we frame things, to change that so-called victim mentality of everything is happening to me and I have zero control over everything. Well, that's not true. We always have the control over how we react to things. So we may not have control over what another person's reaction is to us or what, um, although we do indirectly have that control because our response is gonna determine what somebody's reaction is. Um, but we may not be able to exert control over our environment, but we can control how we respond to our environment. And by controlling how we respond, that actually will have downstream effects of what our environment is and, and, and how we're interacting with people around us and how we're perceiving the situation. And, you know, some of the things, um, uh, you know, that, uh, and again, all of this really kind of goes back to the, the sort of resiliency training. Um, and from one of the papers from the nurse, uh, Journal of Nursing Education, actually, it was published last year, um, I just wanted to share uh, the different areas that they discussed in terms of building resiliency and resiliency training. And we really mentioned most of these, um, but that reflective practice and that storytelling is so important. And again, how we frame things and how we tell stories and are we the victim and who are we, who are we playing in that story and getting to share our story too, getting to be heard. Um, I'll, I'll share with you that, that right now I'm actually in training to be a peer support coach for the uh, California Medical Association for healthcare workers that are on the front lines. And one of the things that is so important is to allow people that are, that are being coached, that are wanting to, um, that, that are needing support, that are wanting to maybe work on their resiliency in difficult times. It's so important to hold that space for them. And it's so important to, to help people feel heard. And so allowing people to have that, to, 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 tell story, to tell stories, to get to reflect is so important. Journaling, of course, is another way in which we can reflect that I mentioned. The peer support and mentoring, which I just mentioned, is super important. So again, you know, we talked about the social, the physical distancing, but that doesn't have to mean social distancing. And maintaining and nourishing relationships and really working on relationships is so important. And yes, it is harder in these times, especially with people that are not in our immediate household, uh, but it's so important to do because we, you know, we all need support and, and we all want to support. We all want to support each other. And I think that, you know, whether somebody listening out there, whether they, uh, they have people in their lives that they feel, you know, I, I really, feel like this person is, is, is hurting right now. And, and maybe if I give them a call, they'll, they'll just know that I'm there for them or they'll know that I, yes, pick up the phone and do that. Or if you're feeling that way with the people that you feel comfortable with, share that you're vulnerable, share that you need help and support or consider seeking professional help. Also enhancing that, that self-knowledge and, and, and the personal competencies so what are the things that I know how to do well? What are the things that have worked for me in the past? What am I good at? And again, um, with some of these modalities, it may be helpful to work with a professional. But again, it's, it's part of it really has to do with self-examination and paying attention, cultivating that awareness of, of, of where, what, what, we're, what we're feeding, right? Where we're giving our attention. 
and mindfulness and meditation play a big role in this because mindfulness, of course, is paying attention in this present moment on purpose. So purposefully paying attention to what is going on, cultivating that awareness and not judging ourselves. So I'm feeling down, I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling scared, not judging ourselves for feeling these things, allowing that to wash over us. And then taking the steps of, okay, what can I, why do I feel this way? Gaining that curiosity, asking those questions. And then what are maybe some of the other options that I have in this moment? What are some of the things to be grateful for? What are things that I appreciate? What would I like to do? What would help me right now? We all have these tools inside us. We know what's best for us, right? But sometimes it takes either that deeper examination or talking to somebody to really have it reflected back to us. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Care Podcast, part of the Invisible Not Broken Podcast Network. If you haven't already, please take the next 30 seconds to do these three things. Hit our subscribe button, leave feedback with a review, and share this episode with a loved one. Don't forget to check out our official Invisible Not Broken Network Facebook group, Please join us in our community conversations where you can ask questions, connect with fellow Invisible Illness peers, and make suggestions for the podcast. Visit facebook.com slash groups slash Invisible Not Broken. And this link will, of course, be in the show notes. Also, if you ever want to submit a question or suggestion directly, feel free to send an email to chronicillnesspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for tuning in and being part of our mission to transform healthcare into human care.